Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast brought to you by Homefield Apparel. I'm Carlos. Joining me live is false prophet Avery at Brave Grapes. I hope everyone smiles today. <laughs> Greg at Bananamorphs. I'm just glad that in a time where college football abandons tradition, Utah decided not to participate <laughs> and to take us back to vintage Utah football. It was a beautiful week. <laughs> Angry boy, Matthew Bridson at No Pit Stops. Ain't got shit to smile about, Avery. <laughs> <laughs> and for the last time, Reed at Pac-10 Reed. Hey, Carlos, whose resume is better, Oregon's or Colorado's? God, would you two <laughs> stop? Give it a rest. Shout out to those joining us live on YouTube. Like the video, send us in your comments and thoughts, and subscribe <laughs> to the channel. We are at 172 subscribers right now. When we get to 250, one of us will do one of two things. We haven't decided yet. Either uh, record an entire show with a mouthful of marshmallows uh, or eat uh, an absurdly hot food of some sort for the entirety of the episode. Uh, I proposed the mouthful of marshmallows. Everyone rolled their fucking eyes. And then uh, they didn't come up with anything alternative until Reed finally said, eat something hot. So that's what we're going to be doing. I have an idea. Yes. I think we should send the person voted by the audience like six different hot sauces that get gradually more hot. And then at the start of each segment, they do the next (laughs) hottest hot sauce. Okay. That sounds fun. I'm far too white for this. Please don't. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't. That would make it to number two. I wouldn't even dial it back. (laughs) Matt, Matt, look at the shade of my skin. If I can do this, you can do it too. I just like need like the nervous sweats and the. You're ignoring the fact that you have that you're a ginger and you have no soul. Uh, It cannot. Here's the thing, Matt. You're just gonna make people want to vote for you. I know. By saying this shit. So vote. Yeah, we'll put out something. Should we poll something like that? Put it in the chat. Whatever. Who you want to see absolutely suffer in this little challenge that we got? But that only happens if we get to 250 subscribers on YouTube. So if you want to see someone suffer through this entire fucking episode next time. Get to 250 subscribers, and we'll do it. Podcast listeners, we have not forgotten about you. Thank you for tuning in once again. Be sure to follow the show and rate us five stars on Apple and Spotify. Uh, We do not have any five-star reviews this time, despite tons of people tuning in. So can you bozos please send us a five-star review? Just one. We We would really appreciate it. Uh, and, of course, we have extra Pac-12 content for you on Patreon, including our weekly previews of the Pac-12 football slate. This week, we'll be previewing the Week 5 slate, including Utah at Oregon State and USC at Colorado. If you want to listen to our thoughts on those games, go check out our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com. All right, let's move on to talk about some Pac-12 football, starting with the Pac-2 championship, the biggest game of the week, Wazoo beating Oregon State. Reed, how about you recap this for us? In what was billed as the game of the year, the Cougs and Beavs faced off in Pullman. Things started quick with a two-play touchdown drive, and Wazoo would not slow down for the rest of the day. Behind a ruthlessly efficient day from Cam Ward and alternating explosive plays from Kyle Williams and absurd one-handed snags from Josh Kelly, the Cougs built a 35-14 lead midway through the third quarter. DJ Uyunglele would eventually steady the Beavlet attack, guiding Oregon State to a 21-3 run before a frighteningly close onside kick ended up in Cougar arms and Jake Dickard left with a signature 38-35 victory. Thank you, Reed. What a poet. Shakespearean there with the recap of the game. Uh, We'll get to the Oregon State aspect of this soon, but let's start with talking about Wazoo's performance in this game, and we'll start with Avery. Avery, what impressed you most about what the Cougs did to Oregon State on Saturday? 
Man, I have so much to say about this game. As we all know, I am the biggest Wazoo believer in this podcast. And as someone that was incredibly high on Wazoo only for my soul to be crushed last year, I feel like retribution right now. Like, thank God, finally. Never wrong, just early. Cam Ward's fucking good. And I was right. Okay, last year, I think he did the thing where he went from an FCS school to a Power 5 school and was like, oh, fuck, these people are talented. I don't know how to play football anymore. But he figured it out with the help of his OC, Ben Arbuckle, who is the architect. Holy fuck. The play calling is fantastic for Wazoo. They handled that Oregon State defense like I did not expect to see this season. Genuinely, I think Wazoo might have one of the best offenses in the Pac-12, which is fucking insane considering their talent level. It was just so much fun to watch. Like, I, I, I'm I, obsessed. I'm obsessed with this team. I love how they get John Mateer, their second quarterback in, as like, so what? what's his name? Coletto. <laughs> it's like exactly how they use Jack Coletto on Oregon State so much fun to watch people that are sleeping on washington state need to open their eyes and start watching their games because this genuinely i think this was the game of the year maybe i'm early on that but like it was a joy to watch these teams go at it and those of us who believe in the palouse knew that wazi would come away with this win yeah uh, let's go to reed reed what did you what did you, did you get to actually watch this game or were you busy not watching teams outside your own going to a fucking game i did go to a game but we'll get to that later i did <laughs> also watch this game uh at a bar um well some annoying dude taunted me with the first touchdown ball of the oregon game the entire time anyways um <laughs> yeah the takeaway has to start with wazoo's offense it it's insane. I mean, you could not have seen this coming from what happened last year. And I know a lot of us were excited about Ward going into last season, but it felt like, you know, that was gone. So many receivers left in the offseason. They got some transfers, but it was hard to like think that those guys were going to be of this level. And they came out, Farrell went out early in this game. And then Kyle Williams and Josh Kelly, like, just put on an absolute show. Cam Ward was, I think, 19 of 20 in the first half passing. Um, and like, I, there was just no way to suspect that Wazoo would be one of the best offenses in the conference this year. But that's what they actually looked like on Saturday. And the fact that they are that still paired with a pretty good defense, we think, um, makes them a real conference title contender. I did not expect to say that coming out of this game at all. Um, I'm just so impressed with what happened and left thinking like, is this real? What's the next big test? What do they look like away from Pullman? You know, but all those are real questions that could be answered in Wazoo being like among the top tier of this conference. Yeah, I, I thought, uh, I agree, I was deeply impressed. And I was a, a Washington State uh, hater coming into this game. I just thought the way they looked last year was not great. Uh, they, they uh, I repent, uh, Washington State is amazing. I said that they were going to go 3-9. and nine. I was extremely wrong about them. I was extremely wrong about Cam Ward. <clears throat> Carlos, Avery, you, you said s- they were going to go 3-9. and nine. Shut the fuck up. Get his <laughs> <Thank> ass. <you. laughs> the um, only reason you picked Wazoo to win this game is because Oregon State hasn't won in the Blues since 2013, and their only time winning since then was last year when Washington State was bad. Yeah, probably, and they won anyway. They went anyway. So, um, but but I want to contest this thing that it was the game of the year. I would say it was not the game of the year. 
I think Wazoo fucking kicked Oregon State's ass. This The score was a three-point game. That was not a three-point game. Uh, that was Oregon State doing some stuff uh, late in desperation. Washington State controlled this game from the jump. It felt like early on, Oregon State had no answers for what Washington State was doing. Absolutely nothing. Cam Ward was getting whatever he wanted. They had about their first six drives. It was four touchdowns and two like freak fumbles from Washington State. This was this was a, an ass kicking. Uh, Oregon State, I think, played an okay game. I think that they were they got kind of whatever they wanted again on the ground, which is a little shocking. They were ninety uh, seventh percentile in, e- in expected points added per rush play, which is absurdly high. Uh, but it didn't matter uh, because Washington State just uh, <laughs> was scoring on every single time that they that they had the ball. It was fucking ridiculous. Cam Ward is a magician. It's weird. Uh, someone in the comments said, you know, well, uh, if Cam Ward played for anyone else other than Washington State, people would be paying attention to him. And I think that's true to a degree, but he kind of came in with a lot of hype last year, didn't look very good, and so the hype kind of wore off. This year, though, like, he deserves all that hype. This is the Cam Ward. Avery was saying this is the Cam Ward we were supposed to be seeing last year. So uh, he's cleaned up a lot of stuff. He looks really dangerous. Josh Kelly looked incredible. I mean, there were some... There were some incredible pass, uh, pass and uh, catches Kyle Williams. Made. Yeah, uh, incredible catches made here um, from Washington State. So, Greg, let's. What, what about you? What did you think of Washington State's performance? If you told me this is how the game's going to go, but just didn't tell me which team was which, I would have been like, "Yeah, that's exactly what I expect." Uh, I expected Oregon State to be the clearly better team. And then the score to be maybe a little closer than it was because of a late Wazoo comeback. And yet it was the exact opposite. Wazoo was so very clearly better than Oregon State in this game. Like at no point during this game did I think Oregon State's going to win this because they're the better team. I think we saw very clearly Washington State has the much better quarterback. Uh, that w- That was very clear to see. Washington State has the better receivers. That was clear to see. Uh, in terms of play calling, I thought Washington State's was significantly better during this game, which is incredibly high praise for Ben Arbuckle because, you know, everyone knows how much we respect Jonathan Smith as a play caller. Uh, the defenses, Washington State, I thought, had a much better defense in this game. They looked awesome uh, for, for most of the game. Washington State is what we thought Oregon State would be this year in terms of quality and that's not to say Oregon State's bad Oregon State could still have an awesome year it's just the Pac-12 is even better than we expected this year and we thought it would be really good yeah incredible stuff Matthew Hubertson what did you think of Washington State in this game um I I, eh, I don't have that much to say about I I thought that the 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 yards after catch was very impressive um and and very interesting i have a lot more to say about oregon state about that um i will say as far as like the whole idea of if cam ward was on a like better or more high profile team he'd be getting a lot more attention i I completely disagree the exact same shit happened with bonex he was legitimately bad last year um and so like it's gonna take more than four games before people actually believe in the response no, um, no, he meant Cam Ward was legitimately bad last year. Oh, 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 I see, I yeah. see, yeah, yeah. And like, it took it took a good six, seven weeks before everybody was like, okay, no, Bonex on Oregon is actually good. Um, mm. And that that same thing is going to happen with Cam Ward. Um, you just these are these are small. We we live in a small sample size of data points in college football, and so it's just going to be a little bit slow to accept that um, this is who he is now. I completely agree. He has been 
absolutely outstanding and and definitely lethal. Um, as far as like Carlos's point of this was an absolute ass kicking, I completely agree. And the fact that it was a three point game kind of concerns me. Um, I, yeah. as far as whether or not Wazoo is a legitimate contender, um, cause if you're absolutely kicking somebody's ass, you got an absolute ass kicking that like is too close is much closer than it should be is like what we're looking about with like Oregon and, um, Texas tech or Utah and Florida. Like you, you need to be more than a three point win there. So I, it's a good I point. Know good point avery what were you gonna say yeah the reason it was such a close game is because this was the holding hands bowl where everybody stands up to the power that is espn and washington state knew that like if they blew blew the doors off oregon state like no one would respect both of these teams so they had to let them creep back in close game like this was decided beforehand we all i i can see that (laughs) um Reed at the top said that it was Farrell who got injured. Farrell was their receiver from last year. I think you meant Lincoln Victor. Yeah, that's yes. what I meant. Who was Sorry. their, like, yeah. considered their wide receiver one. The fact that their wide receiver one went out this early in the game and they still had two receivers that had over 150 yards is fucking bonkers. Like, I know we have a hard time admitting that teams can have good players when they don't have four or five stars, but these are good players. Like, I get it. They weren't highly touted recruits, but Kyle Williams with 174 yards and Josh Kelly with 159, like that's pretty fucking good. And we can talk about Oregon State's defense, like they lost a lot of production there, but like they have good players on this team and they did all of this without much of a running game, which is just so beautiful. Yeah. Reed, you you had something you wanted to add to this. Yeah, I just wanted to underline the fact that like at no point did you think Oregon State was winning this game if you actually watched it. And I I hope that everyone listening to this actually watched the game. But if you didn't, like you can go to ESPN. This is a flawed thing, but like look at their game state chart. It is a straight line down to Wazoo and they control it the whole way and they have like an 85% chance or higher to win the game the entire second half like it it was dominant and i think that i hope people don't look at the final score and say oh this was an upset because as we've talked about it definitely wasn't wazoo was by far the better team i I just think that and to and to avery's point in terms of the players and the talent uh I mean, it was those catches were not like I think you could easily have a receiver who gets 150 yards from like just dinking and dunking and easy passes. And like some of that is Wazoo's offense. But a lot of these were incredible catches, like going up, like and getting the ball or it getting dropped and coming down with it, like in any sort of many, many different ways. And I actually think Oregon State's second. We can talk about Oregon State in a second, but Oregon State secondary didn't play horrible and so i think that just makes it much more impressive for washington state let's flip over though to the oregon state aspect of this uh oregon state suffers a pretty horrible loss here uh let's start with avery again avery what would you what what was what went wrong for oregon state in this game man i don't know i think there's a lot of things that went wrong part of me thinks they just weren't ready for washington state's offense to be like that precise in the passing game like like you were saying these these catches were great but cam ward was fucking threading the needle like he was hitting these guys in the hands it was kind of insane i i was not expecting that from him this season um dju as much as i hate to say it because i think he gets way too much fucking hate he didn't have a great game he was kind of 50 50 out there 
I don't think the play calling helped him out very much. It was very suspect, but he also wasn't like making incredible plays for like the majority of this game. And when you're in a situation like this, where Washington state has maybe the best defense in the conference, one of the best defenses in the conference, like your quarterback is going to have to kind of pull out some very good plays. And we didn't see that from him. They're also playing in the Palouse, which as we know is a horrible fucking place to play if you're not Washington state. So I don't know how much that affects it, but overall like Oregon state just kind of fell flat. Matthew Brisson, do you agree? You think a lot of this falls on DJ Uyengalele's shoulders? You think that there's what? What do you feel like went wrong for Oregon State in this game? Um, yeah, I mean a lot. <laughs> um, I I <laughs> yeah. I think that the defensive backfield actually played horrible. Um, I think that Cam Ward was definitely very accurate, and then there were a shitload of missed tackles after the catch. Yeah, right? Yes. Like I'm not. Yes. I'm not saying the coverage was bad, but like. It, the, these weren't a bunch of like over the top bombs where you never had a chance and the wide receiver was running past you. Um, there was, there was definitely some 50, 50 balls, but otherwise a lot of it was the intermediate stuff that then turned in to a 40 yard catch and run. Um, and so like, no, I, actually on the back end they were really, 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 really bad. Um, on, and offensively, no, I, DJU was not 50 50. He was, he was bad. He was flat out bad. Uh, he missed a ton of open, uh, options. That's that, racist. Uh, sure. Okay. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the, there was a ton of open plays on like third and twos and fourth and ones. And like, it, he was just missing guys. They, they were bad throws to open guys that he flat out missed. Um, Oregon state had was in the 97th percentile on their EPA per rush. Their 44th percentile on EPA per pass. Like it just, it is a very stark difference between what they were able to do on the ground and what they were able to do passing the ball. And it's the exact opposite for Wazoo. They were horrible running the ball. They had zero explosive plays running the ball and they did everything in the past game that they wanted to because nobody was tackling. Like I, I think that Oregon state played one of the worst games I've seen them play in the last year and change. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I think DJ, you did not look good in this game. Uh, I thought this was uh, a, a, a bad performance. I will say though, again, <laughs> Uh, number one, I don't know that this probably ranks as like, you know, a top three performance last year for Oregon State quarterbacks. So I just want to contextualize well, that. Okay, let's, <laughs> yeah. I, think people, I think people are going to people are going to do this shit. Uh, people are going to do this thing. That's like, <coughs> oh, look, see, uh, DJ Uyunglele, he sucks. He's always sucked. He's never been good. He's exactly what we thought he was. It's been one game and against a Washington State defense. That's really, really good. Like, I, I think. I don't know that we fully adequately articulated how good or, uh, Washington State's defense is. I think they're really good, uh, and I think their secondary in particular is really good. DJU, though, missed some passes. I think that there was always a ton of stuff there. I will say, can't give them quite a pass in terms of uh, a pass rush because I don't think Washington State generated much of a pass rush in this game. Nope. Um, so I, I, it felt like he was getting a good amount of time in the pocket, as as he has for much of this season. And Washington State has some pretty good defensive linemen. So I don't know. I mean, I I think that I think DJU I think in a game like this was hard, but you know it was also Washington Oregon State's pass rush didn't really generate much of one. Right? They really couldn't get much of a push. Uh, their secondary, you're right, Matt. Uh, they missed a ton of tackles. Uh, they were great in coverage. They were always in position, but yeah, they they missed and whiffed on some tackles that uh, gave Washington State. Uh, it allowed them to extend drives that they probably shouldn't have. So uh, I, let's go to – sorry, did we not get to – we didn't get to Greg yet. We'll go to Greg Reed and then Avery, you're on stack. Uh, I completely agree with Matt. I thought DGU was 
straight up bad. And, you know, you were saying that we shouldn't say DJU sucks and this is who he's always been. Uh, this is absolutely who DJU has always been. Like, oh this is the same DJU that was at Clemson. And that's still much, much better than what Oregon State had before. That's still an improvement. <laughs> and, and 34 However, attempts is still way too many. Like, just exactly. like it was way too many for Chance Nolan, it is way too many for DJ. <laughs> it's just, like, DJU is an improvement over what they had. He's still not a top five Pac-12 quarterback, and he's not close. Like, he is so much worse than that top five. Like, Cam Ward showed him levels today. It was very clear which one of them is better. Uh, and he just keeps missing throws. DJ can't keep missing throws like this if Oregon State's going to beat contenders in this conference, you know? Matt talked about it. There were, like, a bunch of plays. A fourth and one was the starkest example in my mind where— they had a guy who was right there. DGU had an easy throw and just sailed it. Like, it was not even close to catchable. And he keeps doing that. It's it's just not going to work for Oregon State if uh, he keeps playing like that, and he's always played like that. So, I, I don't know. I don't think Oregon State is going to find a lot of success through the air against most of these good teams that they're still going to have to play, even with an easier schedule as far as Pac-12 schedules go, I'm, I'm still very worried about them. Yeah, once once again, this team throwing the ball more than they're running the ball is... Uh, they're not. They had 39 rushing attempts and 34. That, that counts as not more. That, that, that counts. <laughs> Reed, That's absolutely Reed, the same thing. What did, you, what did you think of... What do you think went wrong for Oregon State against Washington State? Well, I think that there's a, a double point here. It's not either DJU or the receivers it's both and 34 attempts is is too many for DJU to throw it's also too many targets for this receiver core they yeah they have like they are probably the worst receiver core in the Pac-12 right there with Stanford uh and, and Utah, Stanford at least has your sack and Utah yeah, and, Utah's and, might be maybe worse. Utah <laughs> um, but it's it's not good and I talked about this all offseason it's like a, a passing attack needs both parts and we already had a question mark at quarterback but we don't have good receivers to go along with that either so like uh, i don't understand i mean it's just we've learned like this offense is not transformative enough to make up for the fact that the defense is worse than it was last year and the fact that their secondary was not good in this game is a product of the fact that they need more time to settle into that scheme. They need more confidence to pull the trigger and come downhill and make a tackle or blow up one of those, you know, crossing passing plays that went for big yardage. Um, and then the other side of it, the offensive line was great. We knew that they honestly handled the pass rush as well as we thought they could. Uh, the running backs were pretty good, but they weren't. I, I mean, Damian Martinez was taken out of this game almost like Fenwick took over the carries for him. Fenwick averaged almost double the yards per carry on the ground that Martinez had. Um, and that was like, that's a question too. Dame Martinez for as great of a player as he is, did not look like the running back one with a bullet in this conference that we build him to be going into this game. He was not the impact player that changed things and generated an offense to actually compete against Wazoo. Grapes, what did you think? What do you think of those statements about Damian Martinez and Deshaun Fenwick? Or do you have any other thoughts about what went wrong with Oregon State? As we know, Jonathan Smith just has to calibrate. He's just over here collecting data about his quarterback. <laughs> he has to learn where he needs to cut off 
the the passing attempts. We've seen this. We've seen this already with Chance Nolan, okay? This is a perfect game to set them up for the rest of the season because who do they get next week at home? Utah. This is just great. We're going to see 20 straight runs next week. It's going to be completely fine. Here's my issue with the DJU slander. I think it's fair. I think it's fair to call him bad. I fucking hate when I see it from Utah fans because Utah fans think they know fucking everything about college football. You guys, you're fine. I'm talking about the other ones. The other ones that are No, Clemson. you're talking about one. You're talking about exactly one. <laughs> I've seen I've had like five Utah fans in my fucking replies about DJU. Okay, since he transferred to Oregon State. And they think they're like Clemson fucking experts or some shit. Like, you're not watching the damn games. I don't want to hear shit from you about how bad DJU is. And I think DJU and Cam Rising are the exact same player. So I think Utah fans are doing this to kind of make themselves feel better about their quarterback situation. Um, But yeah, Damian Martinez was taken out of this game. I agree with Reed. Um, Deshaun Fenwick actually looked really good. And so I'm, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about their rushing attack. They have two guys that can do things and I don't think they're going to be facing many defenses that can stop the rush better than Washington state can. So, yeah, they're, they're two different kinds of running backs. So you can kind of, I mean, it's, it's a luxury, right? That you can use the big bruiser like Damian Martinez or someone who's got a little bit more speed, uh, in Deshaun Fenwick, uh, Reed, you were on stack. I just I can't deal with the idea that Jonathan Smith just needed a calibration game because what I heard all offseason was that Oregon State was going ten and zero, like that. Well, there's what, twelve games. You mean twelve and zero? Yeah, no, no they no, were starting. No, 10 was, and 0. was well, starting ten and zero. Listen to me okay. one time, Carlos. <laughs> like that was the premise of this Oregon State team is bringing back a great defense they're taking a step forward and they're going to run through the first 10 games on their schedule that's all that's what i heard over and over again and like they they lost the first real test they had and they lost it by a pretty wide margin we have to like come to terms with that and i think it's just about this should have been like not quite a rebuilding year, but there's a lot of turnover in this team. And we should have recognized that and not just vaulted them into that it's time to take yet another step forward. And we can expect them to just, you know, pass every test, even tests on the road, which they haven't really proven that they've done. You know, I, I said they were going to go two and two on the road against the middle teams in the Pac-12. They just lost the first one. They have Cal, they have Arizona, they have Colorado. Do we feel confident that they go three and zero against that slate? I feel confident that Reed is boring and annoying. (laughs) It's not, and 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 I'll say like here's what's boring about your take. This is not a turnover issue. This is this is a Jonathan Smith issue. I think you're not being nearly critical enough about Jonathan Smith. If he is actually the coach that he's been on the path of being and that we think is being, the amount of turnover here should not have been critical at all. Um, Specifically in the way that you're improving the quarterback room and the offense that you did bring back. Um, I I think that this is something where like. I think if you are a great coach, like capital G great coach, you win this game. And that I think is where the critique specifically lies in my opinion. Right. He was I mean, outcoached. I, I, yeah. I mean, I think 34 passing attempts with what they have in their passing game is, is bad. I, I like, I know we're kind of joking about it and they had 39 rushing attempts. They like 55% should not be, they should lead the country in like rushing percentage. Their running game, the run, the design of their run plays 
is elite. And and Jonathan, we've talked about this with Jonathan Smith every time he loses a game since 2021. If he loses a game, it's because he leaned way too heavily on the pass. And I think he did that here. And and, a, and I think what's especially egregious about it is that DJU is like maybe probably a dynamic runner that would really complement uh, this Oregon State offense if it was drawn up for him to make make use of that, right? He is a big uh, hulking guy. 100% success rate when he ran the ball. Ridiculous. 10.57 yards per play. Like, absolutely ridiculous. He had a higher EPA uh, per play on rush attempts than any running back uh, for Oregon State. So, yeah, I I do – I think I I agree with you, Matt. Like, the the Jonathan Smith issue in particular is that he he just trusts his passing game – Way too much, and he's a quarterback. He's a yeah, quarterback it's guy. He's a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I, you know, it, we made a joke. I mean, it was a, the whole 19 straight runs against Oregon thing was kind of a joke because, like, we'd been telling <laughs> Jonathan Smith to abandon the pass for years. Everybody was screaming that in the third quarter of this game. It was like, feels like yeah. 19 straight run time. Like, yeah, feels like you need to yeah. just run the damn ball. I just, I just think we all need to get along and stop hating on Oregon State because <laughs> it's, it's them against the world. Okay, we knew <laughs> the that their secondary their was going to take a step back. I think it's fair to be critical the, of the wide receiver. Carlos room. literally told me they wouldn't, though. I, I can't <laughs> I do fucking, this. Carlos, fucking told- ignore Carlos. They lost. They had the best secondary in the conference, and they lost basically everyone. Katana Ladapo was the only guy returning, and he was like the worst player in their secondary last year, which isn't saying a lot. He's still fine. And we knew their wide receiver room wasn't going to be great because they're fucking Oregon State. But I agree with Matt. Like, I feel like this was a coaching issue. Yeah. I don't think this team isn't capable of having 10 wins. I think the coaching has to make up with that. The same way we've seen fucking Utah get eight to 10 wins every fucking season despite having one four star on their team you know what i mean like coaching can make up that gap we've seen it in this conference we saw it with washington state last night washington state's the least talented team in this fucking conference and they look like one of yeah, the best I'm not, right now. i'm not willing to like critique the oregon state defense as if like this was usc's wide receiver room like yes there is a significant step back you still got to tackle like we, we got to be yes. able to tackle. Mm-hmm. We got to be able to contain these guys. Like there's no reason that Wazoo wide receivers, two of them should be going for 130 yards plus on you. Like the talent Delta is not that high. <laughs> this isn't tackling. The tackling is eminently a, a coaching issue, right? I think I would feel differently uh, about the secondary and, and to Matt's point is if they were getting burnt, like just straight up beat Washington state's got a dude wide open. And that happened several times. That did not happen. To Matt's point, a lot of these were 50-50 balls, and it was a tackling problem. Uh, like, they couldn't make the tackle when they absolutely needed to as soon as the, the guy got a hand on the ball. And that, I think, is eminently fixable, too. That means that you can you can address that. Uh, you can get better at tackling as the season goes on, right? So I guess I'm just – I'm not on the Oregon State secondary was fraudulent train, but they have some stuff to fix. I think that is absolutely true. Um, anything else about Oregon State, Washington State? We got we got more games to come uh, to to talk about. So, any last words about this one? Well, the the coaching staff took twenty twenty one Oregon State's defense and turned it into twenty twenty two Oregon State's defense. So, like, I don't think they're not capable of it mm-hmm. because that was one of the worst fucking defenses I've ever seen in my life. Me and Carlos watched every Oregon State game in twenty twenty one, and every time we're like, "Please, please work <laughs> together to bring down <laughs> this runner. Please, everybody, help each other out and tackle this." <laughs> guy 
So I, I think the coaching can improve. I don't think it's like, oh, fuck, they're not they're not talented enough because we see it with talented teams. Look at fucking UCLA. They can't tackle for shit either. It's no, a UCLA's, coaching problem. But, UCLA's tackling is fine. All right, whatever. We're getting UCLA. That's the, that's the point, though. That This is like how college football works. If you're not at a program that recruits well, when you have six of your six of your back half of your defense leave after a year, you have to take a step back. That's like... A rule of college football. Reed, you didn't those, grow up in the yeah, Utah experience, you. Reed. You don't know shit. <laughs> two stars you don't know can shit about coaching. Two stars can tackle just fine. I promise you. You haven't but, been what we've been through, Reed. But you ha- you take waves to get to this point when you're Oregon State. You can't just year after year after year reload on a on a secondary it, where you lose the entire they, back half I think, of your okay, defense. Okay, okay, okay. I, I, I think <laughs> last one before we got to get to Reed's honking about Oregon. I don't want to get there. <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. Um, Matt. Last word. Last, last word. You're, I, this is about a standard of, a, of expectation, right? Like, I think that, like, if your standard is that Oregon State is, it's hard to win at Oregon State. You don't have the talent. You don't have the depth. That's fine. And if you don't think that Jonathan Smith is a great coach, if Jonathan Smith is a great coach, it, you can build that depth specifically in the fundamentals. You really can. Like, that's that to me is where it's just like, okay, like, yes, Oregon State did what Oregon State usually does. That means that there's not a coach delta. That means that the coach isn't great like that. And that's okay. Like to just make those statements like, but it's not the, the excuse is not Jonathan Smith is still great. And this is a product of the environment. Like he's a good coach and that means that he couldn't overcome the environment. Okay. Let's move on to talk about Oregon and Colorado. Oregon humiliated me and all the other Dion truthers out there snuffing the absolute light out of the bus. Uh, <laughs> Reed's putting on his ducks. That's a ridiculous ass hat. Uh, Oregon beat Colorado forty-two to six. This game nowhere near competitive. Not only was Oregon up thirty-five to nothing at halftime, but the Ducks didn't even let Colorado enter the hundred-yard mark of total offense until late uh, in this game. Uh, Colorado registered just one hundred and ninety-nine yards of total. One hundred ninety-nine yards of total offense to Oregon five hundred and twenty-two. Uh, 2022 Colorado level performance from the Buffs. Uh, this was a ruthless, merciless beatdown from the Ducks. So we'll get to Colorado in a bit, but let's start with Oregon to the victors. Go the spoils. Reed, you were at this game. What were your reactions to what Oregon did? So I just I have some questions here. Um, Avery, how are we feeling about the Ducks pass rush? <laughs> hey, I. I was never one of those motherfuckers that was like, they didn't get any sacks versus Portland State. Yeah, you're conflating her with her husband. You, Anytime, you, you brought up sack numbers on this podcast. I do not care. I My do not care. My fingers are right on now. the pulse of ironic tweeting, okay? <laughs> I, she actually I don't put have her sh- fingers to her pulse. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have anything bad to say about Oregon. In fact, I ranked them second behind Washington State in my Pac 12 week four rankings, Reed. Okay, I'm not a hater. Carlos, seating time to Avery. You sure about that? <laughs> Carlos, ahead, how are we feeling about Oregon's secondary right now? <sighs> feeling like a fool. Feeling like a fool. Feeling a little foolish. Feeling a little foolish. Reed, if I'm being honest. <laughs> let's let's fucking go. What a game, Oregon! Absolutely dominated Colorado from the start. Like could not have been more dominant. Everyone on this team, Bucky Irving, every time he got touched by two, three guys, they could not get him down. He spun out, got seven extra yards every fucking time. And then 
doorless popo evan williams off the edge with blitzes like we seven times got to shadur sanders like i fucking said and then kyrie jackson at corner looks like a lockdown corner oregon is coming baby we this is the biggest win of the pac-12 season so far maybe the biggest win nationally so far okay what <laughs> what ranked on ranked matchup has been this dominant all season we, did did anyone watch ohio state notre dame that didn't look like this shit Jesus we, Christ. we fucking rolled well, i i think that i think a ranked on ranked matchup that is this dominant was um colorado tcu <laughs> I think that looked pretty dominant. Who said who said Reed was boring? <laughs> yeah. Gregory, what did you what did you think of or you're the second biggest organ on this podcast. What did you think of Oregon's performance in this one? The gap between me and Reed in terms of Oregon honkery is quite big, I think, as evidenced by this. Oh, I, I would certainly <laughs> I would certainly not say that this was the most impressive win nationally so far. That is that's Yeah, that's crazy. That's <laughs> insane. Uh, what what else do you submit? The 21 point favorite won and they covered. Wow, that's impressive. But uh like Oregon looked great. I don't want to I don't want to take away from Oregon, but I just think this is like none of us actually well, I guess <laughs> me and you read. We did not think Colorado was that level of team, you know? Like we did not think. I didn't were... think that either. Now's, Do not stick not me in that, that bucket, Greg. Greg, Greg, go ahead and continue. <laughs> this is a very good Oregon win. This is a very good Oregon win. I don't want to take away from it. Like they played outstanding in every facet of the game, but, but, Colorado has some very serious flaws. Like the offensive line looked like paper mache. It was so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can talk about Colorado, like, but well, what did you see from Oregon yeah, about talking that? about Colorado well, needs to start with a formal apology from Carlos. So keep yes, going, yes, and then we'll right. get to that. That's right. What I'm trying to say is this does not alleviate my concerns or the concerns that people might have about an Oregon pass rush. I still think it'll be there, but like there were some issues with Oregon's pass rush earlier in the season, and I don't think those are completely gone just because they had a great game here because I think everybody's going to have a great pass rush when they play Colorado. Uh, that, that all being said, Bucky Irving's an incredible player. Uh, I loved the way Oregon came into this game and said, like, we are going to destroy them. I, I, I love that mentality. I think it just makes the sport more fun. And uh, thank you, Dion, for making coaches more fun. <laughs> But uh, just, I don't think you can take a lot away from this game for Oregon because I just, I don't think this is a real opponent as far as like contenders in the conference go. Yeah, I'm, uh, I, I think that I do take, I'm of the opposite opinion. I do take a lot away from this game. I said that Colorado was going to be extremely competitive. Oregon just fucking stomped on them, just destroyed them. I mean, it was a 21 point spread. Uh, Oregon didn't just cover. They just, they, they, they well exceeded what that was. Uh, I thought this was a deeply impressive performance from all over the place. Oregon dominated on lines. I think even I sort of suspected that that might be the case as someone who was a, who's been Colorado honking. I think what was most impressive about the pass rush, I actually think Oregon's pass rush wasn't that great. The reason their pass, they got to Shador Sanders so often is, number one, uh, Shador Sanders. But number two, their secondary was incredible. I thought their secondary play was actually much better than their front seven. 
And I felt like that was a large reason for uh, the sacks that Oregon did accumulate in this game. Oregon secondary is is uh, was really good against a Colorado receiving core that like still has some guys, right? Like uh, Xavier Weaver, still pretty good. Jimmy Horn, still pretty good. Like they they've got some decent receivers there. They're not um, a bunch of scrubs. So I think I I was really impressed with Oregon uh, defensively, offensively. Uh, they they just dominated. They got whatever they wanted. Uh, felt like their running backs were just uh, destroying them. Uh, I I was really impressed by that. One not very impressive thing. Bo Nix. Uh, I think he could, probably could have had a much much better game. Didn't really love the way he played, but uh, it didn't matter because they take it just they they did the Jonathan Smith thing and just said we're well, no we're gonna run it uh, and you're not gonna be able to stop us and sorry. So Matthew Hubertson. What did you think about this uh, this Oregon performance? Um, yeah, I mean, like Oregon's exactly who we think they are. Like they have a really good offense and um, will beat the absolute living shit out of you if you're not great. Next, like okay. there's just I, I just don't okay. have that much okay. to take from Oregon. It I like this is actually a perfect example of I am amazed that we are four weeks in and I don't feel like we've answered a single thing about any of these teams. Like across the entire Pac-12, I don't think we have a single answer about anyone. Okay, that's fair. Um, Avery, what did you think about this? Uh, I'm going to say something Oregon? crazy in defense of Bonix. I I have been critical of Bonix before. Bonix did everything he fucking needed to do. He doesn't need to get fancy with it. I think we see Michael Penix doing his thing, and we're like, "Holy shit, that's incredible!" Look at him throw the ball 190 yards. Bonix doesn't need to do that to get his job done. He's just. He's just not like an electric player. He's not like a lights out guy, but he's super good, super automatic. I thought he was cooking. I don't think you need to throw consistently 50, 60 yards to be a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that crazy? No, that's fair. I think he's he's good. No, yeah. I think I, that's totally that's totally fair. Go ahead. Go ahead I, I think I think Bo Nix has far more throws in his repertoire than Penix does like I don't I don't actually think yeah. he's oh, that's below a tier from Penix at all I think Caleb Williams is far above that tier um yeah Bonix <laughs> is just more boring to watch that's how I feel I think Michael Penix is more exciting but that doesn't make him worse yeah yeah Bo, it's Bo's whole thing is just that like he started more games than anyone in college football like he's played for so long and he's very comfortable taking the check down just throwing it out to Bucky as an extension of the run game and like Penix is obviously the exact opposite of that. He's taking a shot whenever he can. And he's very good at that, right? Like I think they're two different styles of, of what you want. But Bo Nix is trying to play like a very low risk type of yeah. game and slowly move the ball down the field. And the fact Oregon was able to do that despite like having some penalties in this game and getting they had that in, you know, the tech game a lot as well, too. Like despite setting themselves behind the chains early. They've been able to just churn out first downs on drives. I think there is a case that like when they play USC or Washington, they might need to lean on those explosives a little more to keep up in those games, though. So, I mean, I think we're all in agreement here that uh, great, great performance from Oregon. A lot to talk about here from Colorado. So let's shift over there. And yes, it does start with an apology. I apologize to everyone on this podcast for assuming that Colorado was going to have competent line play. I am sorry for yelling at everyone who said they were going. Okay, first of all, they're not going three and nine. I think we can all be fair fair about that. 
But I'm sorry for yelling at everyone that Colorado is going to be uh, anything more than than uh, a doormat for Oregon. This was a horrific performance that, frankly, I think uh, requires me to recalibrate a little bit about Colorado, the way that that Matt and Greg have been talking about them. I don't think they will be fighting for bowl eligibility, but by no means do I think they're anything near an eight or nine win team. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that Oregon is just a much better, like, elite team. I think that they look like the – I would – I put them at number one in my own personal tiered rankings. Um, and I, I, I don't want to pe- penalize Colorado too much, but they got fucking blasted on the lines. Everything that you all said about uh, Colorado's line play being the thing that was going to decide games. Oh, buddy, it decided this game. Uh, they had no answers for uh, anything. I mean, I thought their, you know, their, their off- Colorado's offensive line play was like kind of okay, uh, except when it came to the run game. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Might as well have not have even tried. Uh, and then, yeah, their defensive line got no push. Uh, they got no push in the pass rush. They got no push uh, in, in against the run. It was it, they just got pushed around. They looked like they looked like children out there, frankly. Um, and so, when those things break down, everything else breaks down. What's the point of doing anything else other than run when you know you're just going to be able to push the other team's line into fucking oblivion? Um, and then, offensively, what were they going to do? Right, like the Oregon secondary actually covered really, really well. Shador Sanders had nowhere to go. Shador Sanders, I have to say, his worst performance by a mile, which is kind of uh, surprising. He didn't have an interception, but like running into sacks and taking like 20 yard sacks. Like this was like a DTR level. Matt talked about the DTR tribute across the back 12. It was, it was so beautiful. My heart was so full. <laughs> Uh, and it sucks that we talk about DTR like this because he was like insane in his fifth year. We all agree with that. But like, you know, it's just like these these quintessential moments about early DTR that stick with your mind. And yeah, this is Shadur Sanders r- making five-yard sacks into like 20-yard sacks. It was not a good performance from him. So, uh, Matthew Hubertson, what did you think of Colorado's performance? Um, I think I think it was Alex Kirshner that said it. It, it just – he said it best where he was like as – all of us that have been recalibrating on Oregon that th- or on Colorado that thought they were going to be absolute dog shit, like congratulations to the people that thought they were national title contenders in joining us in our recalibration. Like it's <laughs> this is not to sit here and say that like this clearly shows that I was right about them being two and ten, right? Like they are a much better team than than that. They should definitely like beat up on Stanford, but they are much closer to Stanford, Cal. Arizona, Arizona. I don't know about Arizona State. They might be pretty far away from Arizona State, but but they are much closer to the bottom than they are to the top, and that's okay. You're still going to get six wins. It's still a massive, massive, massive step up because you were quite literally subterranean um, last year. So like to even be <laughs> above the bottom is is impressive. If you could have just gotten to the bottom, that would have been a good job this year. Um, so I just, it, it really is just more of a dunking on idiots like Carlos that were trying to ruin Colorado for us. Now we can all be in the same place and talk about how good of a job this has been because like, they're not, they're just not going to be the top of the conference. They're just not. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some, well, okay. I'll hold my thoughts. Uh, Reed, what did you think about this Colorado or Greg, Greg, you were the one who was also talking a lot of shit. So you can go next. Uh, you can, you can talk a little bit about this Colorado performance. No, I'm right there with Matt. I think we're all in a place now where we can appreciate Colorado for what they are, which is a very impressive job, like Matt said. I remember last year, Carlos, when you were doing your tier rankings. Now, it could be that I'm mixing 
your basketball tears with your football tears. And this might be how you referred to the Cal basketball team. But I believe you called last year's Colorado team irredeemable sewer monsters. That's right. <laughs> and, That's right. Uh, and and they have they have improved so much from irredeemable sewer, sewer monsters. They're redeemed. They're redeemed. And they're wonderful and fun most of the time when they're not playing a team with real, like, title contending talent on the lines uh like that's just never a battle they're gonna win and that's okay because most teams you play don't have that and that's a massive improvement from last year i still think dion has done a great job i still think that dion hire was a phenomenal hire for colorado uh they're just they're not a contender they're not going to be one of the better teams in the conference and that's okay there's still a fun team there's still a good season uh that being said yeah their lines are absolute shit uh the comment we saw from Shaw, I don't know how to say that name, uh, but they said, with that many sacks on Sanders every game, will he survive to the end of the season or will his own line get him killed? If his own line doesn't get him killed, he's going to get himself killed because so many of those sacks, like you said, are his yeah. fault. Yeah, he's because, not taking like, big hits. And it's not, it's, <laughs> it's not just that... Uh, it's not just that like he's taking longer sacks than he needs to. There are so many where it's just like, why is the ball still in your hand, man? Like, if there's nobody open, just get rid of it. There's no need for this. Uh, he's got to learn to throw the ball away. He's got to learn to get rid of, get rid of it quicker. Uh, having Travis Hunter back will help because you know he's good. He's going to be open a lot, but uh, yeah, he's got to learn to get rid of the ball quicker. Overall, I'm still excited to watch Colorado the rest of the year, though. Reed, what about you? What did you think of Colorado's performance? Yeah, I just thought they didn't really have many answers offensively. That's what it came down to. Um, and I was worried that maybe they would go to that kind of quick passing game that's given Oregon problems in the past. Like, it, it's a tough thing to defend, and they have some athletes. They can swing it out to Dylan Edwards. They can, you know, scheme some of those things up, um, and they just didn't in this game, right? Like, and I don't know exactly what to attribute that to but it was kind of stunning just like the absolute lack of answers that they had given that they do have a good quarterback and they do have some good skill talent obviously they miss travis hunter but like this isn't a a bad running back room this isn't a bad receiver room like they're pretty good they're not elite but they're pretty good and so that was that was surprising to me i'm curious like what we'll see them do against the rest of the top of the Pac-12. I, I think that point is is very well taken. Like I, Sean Elliott is supposed to be like an amazing offensive coordinator. I thought that he was an amazing offensive coordinator. And this is now two weeks in a row that the scheme has seemingly like played right into the weaknesses of the team, right? Like instead of instead of compensating for, instead of getting the ball out quick and doing a lot more of the quick game that seemed to be what they were doing against TCU and Nebraska. Like it seemed to be what was working there to go away from that and to not make any adjustment within that has been, has been alarming and very confusing to see. Yeah. Uh, Avery, you're up next. I just put up the, some advanced stats from gameonpaper.com uh, to look at this. I mean, absolute domination. Purple is bad, by the way, green is good. <laughs> so <laughs> just so people know, and pretty much every phase of the game, uh, Colorado actually pretty good r- rushing offense, <laughs> I guess. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where that's coming from, but okay. Avery, what did you uh, what did you think about Colorado's performance? I think the people that are doing the most harm to Colorado are the people like Carlos, who are falsely inflating this team to be something that they're not. Like 
literally everyone else on this podcast preseason was like, yeah, bowl eligible Colorado. Let's go. So was I before they won beat TCU. But yes, yes. Greg, I see your face. I mean, like we saw that as their like what they should be hoping for. Okay, I see. I see. (laughs) I see. (laughs) Like we all thought it was a a potential in a potential universe that could happen. Like it wasn't out of the question for Colorado. But fucking Carlos watches the TCU game and says. This team is a twelve and zero fucking team. What the fuck was that? And then I didn't say that. You said nine three was a lock. I did say <laughs> yeah. I didn't say lock, but yes, I was yes, like, that's did. most likely. You, you absolutely might as well have said their ceiling was a playoff appearance. Okay, that's oh, the I never, energy. Okay. All right, let's calm down. <laughs> <laughs> that's the energy you were given. And when people listen to that, they're like very impressionable right because we are real <laughs> journalists with yeah, real it's strong me. i'm the reason that colorado got so much hype definitely not like fucking Deion sanders and entire media fucking infrastructure here, okay <laughs> and then when when they have a performance like this a performance that the rest of us were like that will probably happen yeah it makes them look worse than they are. I don't feel any worse about colorado i feel exactly the same as i did preseason i feel better about oregon I think Colorado has issues. We saw, we've seen a picture of their defensive line and offensive line. We knew they weren't going to be elite. They they weren't good offensively last week. Like we have to remember this. Yeah. They they were bad against Colorado State offensively. And the fact that they like went to overtime and ended up putting up whatever it was, the high 30s, low 40s in points like covers the fact that it was a bad performance. Anything else about Colorado cuz we still have a we still have UCLA, Utah to get to in the rest of the slate. Any other thoughts about this game? Right, we got it all out of our system. All right, let's move on to our last game. We can be kind of quick with this. We talked about this on Twitter Spaces. I think it's recorded. So if you want to go listen to that, I think it's on my page at Equity Bruin. My page, my my Twitter account uh, <laughs> at Equity Bruin. Uh, but this was the third big outcome of the day. Utah duh, did exactly what I expected them to do against UCLA and Salt Lake City. Sort of, kinda. Uh, the Moose beat UCLA by a thrilling score, fourteen to seven. Only two offensive touchdowns scored in this game. One from each of Utah and UCLA. Uh, what put Utah over the top was a pick six in the opening play of the game. Uh, remember, you know, remember when I said Oregon had 522 yards of total offense? <laughs> uh, both of these teams combined for 462 yards of total I'm offense. I'm surprised there's that many. That. I'm yeah. shocked by that. I was like, did they even break 250 combined? Oh, <laughs> my God. Uh, we talked about this uh, fucking crazy, weird, ugly, disgusting game on Twitter Spaces a little bit. Uh Absolutely gross. Let's start with Utah. We'll start with Greg. Greg, you were actually at this game. What did you think of Utah's performance? And why were you here? Listen, I <laughs> had a great time. Uh, you know, I'm in a very healthy place with this Utah team. I don't expect a lot. You know, I picked them to lose that game. However, I still enjoy the team. I still have optimism, and it's great. Uh, to me, this is the best defense in the conference. That was a dominant defensive performance. That was the best Utah, uh, the best the Utah defense has played since 2019, and like I hold that 2019 defense in very high regard. That was great performance from them today. Jonah Ellis had three and a half sacks and an asthma attack during that game. 
What? <laughs> yes. Yeah. On the post game show, <laughs> he's God. saying like, like they asked him a question, like, "Hey, what was happening over here? You were like on the sidelines. Was everything all right?" He was like, "Oh, I was just having an asthma attack, you know." And then you know, my dad, who is the defensive line coach at the U or the defensive tackles coach, uh, he was just like, "Don't worry, God will make it okay." And then I went out and had three and a half sacks, so that was cool. That's <laughs> <laughs> most you shit I've ever heard. <laughs> it was it was really funny. Uh, but the Utah defense was incredible. Like, just at no point did UCLA look like they were going to get anything consistently. They did have, like, maybe two drives where they got pretty far down. You know, they did score one, and then they had another one where they didn't end up scoring because of uh, a, I, think, I believe it was Norwood for UCLA, just dropping a touchdown pass from Dante Moore. Uh, but overall, I was shocked by how well Utah's defense played. The uh, and I say that as someone who's thought Utah has the best defense in the conference. The secondary was just stifling. Like so many of those sacks came because Dante Moore had nowhere to go with the football, and so just, like just the pass rush had so much time to get home. I was shocked that J. Michael Sturdivant didn't cook the Utah defense. I thought he was going to do that. Uh, the defensive line definitely outplayed UCLA's offensive line, and the UCLA run game did nothing. I get that sacks are included in college rush yards, so it's like a little dubious, but they had nine rush yards in that game, which is absurd because Chip would not stop pounding the rock. Just the entire game, into the fourth quarter, down 14, he was like, I still got to establish the run, despite the fact that there's nothing there. Sack adjusted, it was 60 which is still bad still, but like that's more <laughs> but it's still less than 100 you know and expected points added on rush plays they were in the first percentile just again to for the <laughs> non analytics inclined uh first is bad <laughs> like uh like top like bottom 1% of all college football games anyway go ahead yeah, Greg finish it was, it out it was really bad and I don't want to just like say Chip was the only bad play caller in this game because I thought Andy Ludwig called a fucking atrocious game for Utah. <laughs> atrocious. Evergreen. I don't want to take away. <laughs> fucking. I don't evergreen. want to take away from the UCLA uh, defense because they played an awesome game as well. I think they're the second best defense in the conference. Uh, Leatu Latu was great. Is it? Uh, his name escapes me. Is it Kai Madrano? Kane Madrano. Kane Madrano. There Kane. it is. Uh, he was he was great as well. Uh, the UCLA defense is scary, but I don't understand how, for the same reason Chip kept establishing the run when it wasn't working, why Utah kept trying the same exact shit. The tight ends could not block UCLA, and yet he just keep kept putting them out there, kept saying, run behind those tight ends, and they kept getting beat, and Utah kept punting. I have an answer. <laughs> yes. I know why Andy Ludwig did that, and that's because he doesn't trust his quarterback. Absolutely doesn't trust his quarterback, but at some point, your quarterback can't be worse than what you're doing. I think it was, he just is such a coward offensively, and it's going to bite Utah in the ass. (laughs) The fact that it didn't bite Utah in the ass was nice now, but it is absolutely going to bite Utah in the ass probably next week. Still, I had a great time during that game. The Utah defense is elite. Uh, I'm having a good time with the team. Matthew Hubertson, what did you think of Utah's performance? Yeah, I think that the most encouraging thing was the Sturdivant uh, point. Um, if if Utah's defensive backfield is able to do that against Sturdivant, that is should be very encouraging projecting forward to Oregon, Washington, USC. Um, I, I think that that is definitely something that if Utah can hang with those guys, uh, you have a chance, especially as as other guys get healthy, um, namely Cam Rising and 
uh, Brand Keithy, if that ever happens, who the fuck knows? Um, so I thought that that was incredibly encouraging. Obviously, we talked about Bowmeister, um, just an absolute punting clinic in that game. Um, <laughs> full, full tilt for the brand is is really what was going on there. That was that was amazing. I think- I think he's taking Cardi's spot as the specialist that we're going to start pushing for uh, for he best player in the past. Bury Cardi into the ground. We're going to talk about Cardi's right. fucking performance yesterday. Um, <laughs> it's not his fault. God damn it's it! Not his fault. So mad about that. So no, he's he's absolutely like that. He is the absolute special teams king at the moment. Um, so I thought those were cons- those were interesting. I continue to like have a lot of Nate Johnson concern and regret um it is very clear to me that like oh yeah no brandon rose was absolutely the backup uh throughout all of camp and was absolutely getting the first team uh reps because uh they do not have anything complex or anything significant ready for nate johnson to run in this offense and um that is upsetting to me that uh that he wasn't able to to overtake brandon rose and and to kind of get that so yeah Avery, you're a big old Utah honk. What do you have to say about this game? Yeah, I don't have much to say other than as a former Utah fan, this is like the best fucking game as a Utah fan. This is the (laughs) shit I lived for as a child. Like defense wins games. You don't need a fucking offense. All you need is a good punter and a pick six. And And a lot of faith. And a lot of faith. And a lot of faith. Four and a score, baby. John Keys forever. in the stands. No, this game, man, I I don't want to hear Dante Moore shit. Like, I don't want to hear people want to blame this all on Dante Moore. True freshman quarterback in Rice Eccles Stadium, it never, it never goes well for anyone. It's going to be a bad time. My concern with UCLA is the rushing game. I was told, I was told. You want to start, start with here, Utah? Would you like to start with Utah? <laughs> I already got my Utah all thoughts right, all right. done. All right. Can well, I then switch it over to yeah, UCLA yeah, real just, quick. Yeah. You, okay. Reed, do you have any Utah thoughts before we go over to UCLA and we start with Avery? Um, Utah thoughts, not so much. I, I didn't really watch a ton of this game, but oh, luckily, yeah, I forgot. It, no, shut the fuck up. Yeah, you too, were at, no, you no, were no, 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 no. <laughs> let me cook. Let me cook. It wasn't, too, it wasn't too hard to catch up with the highlights, man. That thing was, <laughs> uh, there was one play, and both teams uh, said, We're good. We can go home. <laughs> a brisk minute 20 on that thing. Oh, so. well, that's, that's enough of that. Sometimes one play is enough. What, what happened with Jaquin and Jackson? Only six carries? Did he get injured? Okay. Yeah. I'm, uh, so that sucks. We, um, never mind. Those receiver we their, sucks. What was their, their third string running back? Galen Glover cooking. <laughs> yeah. We don't, we don't need to like do a Utah podcast thing here, but like Jackson needs to sit. He is very clearly hurt and does not have the capacity to be able to overcome that. He needs to sit and let Glover let the other running backs get some freaking reps. Yep. Yeah. So let's move on to UCLA. Uh, we're starting with Avery, obvious big resident UCLA fan. Avery, you're starting us off. What did you have about, to say about UCLA? I was told that UCLA had one of the best running back rooms in the conference. I read it in a preseason magazine. I don't know if you guys <laughs> read that was, one. Was that us? Did we write that read? Holy shit. It was in up. there, I believe. If not, it was told to me separately by Reed. I, I kept hearing it. I kept hearing about how I don't know Carson about Steele, TJ Harden, like they're just so fucking stacked. Like there's no way they're not the best. I don't think they're the best. I don't think they're top five anymore, actually. In the conference, that's, yeah. That's what my thoughts are about UCLA. Yeah. 
the running game, absolutely brutal. Uh, and again, I mean, here's the thing. I want to first contextualize and say, I pretty much expected UCLA to get run off the field in Salt Lake City. The fact that they were competitive was uh, a, a pleasant surprise. Uh, I ask Matthew Hubertson every week, where's this game being played? And if the answer is Salt Lake City, Utah is turning into fucking Georgia. And if the answer is away from Salt they Lake City... They were fucking Georgia. <laughs> their they defense were bad. Was, this might have been, been Georgia. I, I've seen Georgia play this exact game. <laughs> so uh, I, I had very low expectations for UCLA coming into this game. Somehow they really messed with those expectations because what I did not expect was an elite defensive performance and a horrendous God awful offensive performance. The worst, by far, the worst offensive performance of the Chip Kelly era since, surprise, the last time UCLA had to go to fucking Salt Lake City. <laughs> <laughs> and and DTR had like several insane signature fumbles uh, against Utah in 2019. So, yeah, this was an absolutely horrendous uh, offensive performance from, U- from UCLA. Um, the running backs, I think, and the running game in general, I think had some major, major problems. UCLA was first percentile again in in expected points added per rush, just to kind of give you a sense of how bad it was. First percentile. That's like horrible, 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 like historically bad. Um, and they weren't much better in the passing game, 10th percentile. People are going to blame Dante Moore a lot because he is the quarterback. And, you know, when you get a lot of praise, you also get a lot of criticism. Um, I think any any one of us knows what happens to true freshman quarterbacks in Salt Lake City. I, I don't know that we can take away much from this performance. I, Go ahead. I, I do have one Dante Moore like, critique slash question. So his touch is unbelievable. His touch is elite, probably the best touch in the conference. It's, his touch is better than Caleb's, um, truly. It is unbelievable. Seems like that might be his only trick. Like that, That's kind of my question for UCLA fans, and as we continue to watch Dante Moore, um, he was n- not particularly accurate anytime he had to drive the ball at all. Um, obviously, it's really hard to drive the ball when you're getting your ass hit <laughs> every time, but um, that I'm, I am monitoring a little bit of does he have anything outside of a touch throw? Yeah, the thing with the thing with that is that I, I first of all, I wonder how much of that was him uh, doing the true freshman thing of bombing it and tr- and trying to win every single, you know, trying to trying to get as many yards as he possibly can to come back. I also think, though, that Utah secondary, and I didn't really get to say this in the Utah segment, Utah secondary is unreal. I think that is, with a bullet to me right now, the best secondary in the Pac-12. I don't know that there's another secondary out there that can compete with Utah. J. Michael Sturdivant, almost invisible, and he's he's a really great route runner, uh, really fast, he is a really great player, and he was damn near invisible. Dante Moore uh, was sort of tasked with trying to. I, I thought UCLA's pass blocking was actually not bad. I felt it felt like eighty percent of the sacks and hits that he took were because the coverage from Utah was so damn good um, against UCLA receivers. And UCLA's receivers had a few drops that I think if they make two or three of those catches, uh, we're maybe talking about a different game. Um, I, so I do feel like it was just a tough circumstance for Dante Moore. The, the coverage from Utah was incredible. And so I wonder, you know, was there anything there within, you know, 10, 15 yards out that he could have checked down to? I don't know. I'm not entirely convinced there was. I got to go look back at the all 22. Am I going to actually do that? Uh, no, this is not my full-time job. I will rely on other people whose jobs that is to do. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I was really, I, I was really, um, 
uh, I don't, I'm not discouraged. I think this was sort of a big learning opportunity for Dante Moore. He is not going to have to play a secondary that good anymore. He is not going to have to go to a, an environment that hostile. That I, I, so I don't know. I'm not sure how much to take away from this. Greg, you're on stack. Uh, I do want to say, one. Carson Steele's first step is hilarious. He is so slow. It's <laughs> oh my so God. funny. His uh, first step is but, three steps. <laughs> <laughs> Like the like the UCLA offensive line did not do a good job run blocking, but when they did, Carson Steele was there to ensure that Utah would have plenty of time to get off their blocks. <laughs> uh, but back to the Dante Moore point, because I think it's really interesting to talk about his game. Uh, I am not super concerned, because I think a lot of those missed throws that you mentioned, Matt, and there were a lot of them where he just missed guys. Uh I think a lot of that had to do with him just being rattled, uh, him being afraid of the hits that were coming, especially you could see it in the way he was taking sacks. Like after the first two hits on him, he was like, the second there was a guy near him, he was like diving to the ground. (laughs) There was a sack Jonah Ellis got on him where he just grabbed him with like one arm while the offensive lineman was pushing him away. And somehow that turned into a sack. Uh, I think Dante Moore was just afraid of getting hit during this game. Uh, the bigger question I have with him, and I think it is a real question, is he is so incredibly unable to run. Like, yes, he is the most pocket passer, pocket passer. His instincts rushing are atrocious. Michael Penix. (laughs) His instincts to rush are atrocious. There were so many times where if he had taken the ball and run, because they were, they were pretending to run the read option a lot in that game. He had so much green grass, and then the few times he did try to run, I felt bad. Like, there was one (laughs) option play where it was like, he decides to keep the ball. There's a guy coming towards him. He says, I'm going to put a move on him, and then he just freezes up and gets drilled. Like, I have no idea how his instincts rushing are so bad, but it's kind of concerning to me. I think in college football, you got to be a dual-threat quarterback, uh, and he's got to get better in that aspect. I mean, Michael Penix isn't, but yeah, I, I agree. He is, he is not a dual threat quarterback. <laughs> I think his instincts will get better. This is his fourth game. Mm-hmm. He is 18 years old in Salt Lake City. Ugh, ugh, I can't imagine anything worse. <laughs> so I think his instincts will get better, but he is not. He's not going to be a. I think he can be a Caleb Williams in the like moving around the pocket and savvy in that way. Um, but he's not going to be able to have the speed to be able to take advantage. He's not a DTR in that way. It's going to be very funny uh, watching a bunch of. Uh, uh, NFL scouts say that he has great legs because he's a quarterback of color. Uh, that will be, it's like the Michael Penix thing where people think that of Michael Penix. It's ridiculous. Um, and the last thing just real quick for me, uh, about the running back about Carson Steele, it should be TJ Harden. TJ Harden has a much better first step over Carson Steele. It is ridiculous that Chip Kelly falls in love with these slow white guys. You know who they have returning kickoffs? It's a fucking tight end, a six foot three, like 260 pound tight end. The slowest motherfucking skill player on the team is returning kickoffs. I just have to say how fucking ridiculous that is. I can't believe he's doing that. Chip Kelly, I, I fucking hate Chip Kelly so he much. He knows something we Chip don't. Chip might actually be the silliest goose, and we don't talk about it enough. <laughs> we do not. <laughs> In terms of, like, personnel, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's All just right. testing things out. <laughs> He's experimenting. It's not conference. Reed, you give, a, give us a quick thought on UCLA. What a Matt for a final thought and move on. I'm hearing Dante Moore should transfer. Couldn't agree more on that. Um, <laughs> otherwise, this reminded me of every game I've ever seen in which Chip Kelly can't establish the run. I have a ton of trauma from those uh, and (laughs) it fit the billing there. 
And just to redeem our preview magazine for a second, we did highlight uh, offensive line as the make-or-break position group, and I think that was really the reason that UCLA struggled so much in this game. They couldn't establish the run because they couldn't get a push. And they didn't watch this game. I well, <laughs> they couldn't I, get yeah, a push. He is right. They couldn't get a push in the run game. And when you're yeah, yeah. Your offensive game, line good. And when your pass game is so bad, like I I know for a damn fact, Utah's offensive line is really good, and UCLA shredded them. Like this is there's there's certain realities when you're playing a good defensive line that doesn't have to worry about the pass and has a freshman quarterback calling the checks and the protections yeah. like and didn't worry honestly utah did not worry at all about dante moore's ability to run they sent like what they sent like four dudes at uh at, like they rushed three to four guys at dante moore for the vast majority of this game and they got to him because they had a bunch of guys in the back and they said yeah dude go ahead try and run see what happens and he did not his running instincts failed uh failed him so i don't and, know Reed. i get what you're saying the run blocking probably not great but like yeah you know and Carlos, you told me that uh, Dante Moore was no more of a question mark than fifth year DTR. Just want to put that on the record. <laughs> I will say, if I'm comparing like <laughs> like freshman games in Salt Lake City, Dante Moore like well, you know yeah, I mean, massive improvement yeah, over DTR. That, that that wasn't the comparison. get worse than yeah. freshman DTR in Salt Lake yeah. City. That's the worst Jayden game Daniels. I've ever seen watching this game was the Leonardo DiCaprio meme. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Richardson, final thought on UCLA, and then we'll move on. We were one play away. We were one play away from the perfect DTR Memorial game. Um, <laughs> Nate Johnson <laughs> just straight up score. dropped the ball twice. Dante Moore was some of the sacks <laughs> he was taking. And that play that Greg talked about where he finally keeps the ball on the option read and has one man in the open space and completely freezes. My guy, you got to go for the hurdle there. If we're going to do the DTR <laughs> Memorial game, you got to go for the hurdle. <laughs> Yeah, and and hey, uh, freshman DTR tried those hurdles and got absolutely fucking rocked. You got to take your bumps before perfect. you can get to the actual oh, hurdle. It would have been just, mm, just the perfect football game. <laughs> All right, well, that's our recap of the recap of the three biggest games this week. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the rest of the week four games, play some Would You Rather, and make our picks for Week Five. Stay tuned. UCLA fans, your Bruins have lost yet another important football game in the month of September, which means only one thing. It's basketball season. That's right. It's time <laughs> to start discussing basketball. How will Matt Cronin use a Demara and a Dembona on the floor at the same time? What will Dylan Andrews look like as the team's point guard? Will Lazar Stevanovic actually have a breakout year? And, of course, what piece of basketball are you, attire are you getting from Home Field Apparel? Uh, if you're asking me, I'm partial to this lovely UCLA hoops shirt. Uh, this logo is very fun, very retro. And on top of that, it has this beautiful cream color, uh, the light blue trim. It's super good looking. Uh, Homefield has a bunch of other UCLA basketball-related shirts that I think you'll love to get you through the month of October. And did I mention they are super soft, super comfy? That goes without saying at this point. If you haven't tried any Homefield stuff out, you out will absolutely love it. Uh, so go to homefieldapparel.com to check out the UCLA basketball collection. Frankly, what else are you doing? Watching football? Please. Go buy some home field shirts instead. You'll thank me later. Matt Cronin. Great Matt job Cronin. for me. <laughs> I'm in your head. <laughs> Let's talk about the rest of the slate. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. 
First up, USC beats Arizona State in Tempe, 42-28 in a game that was perhaps too close for comfort from the Trojans of note. ASU running back and Goron from Goron City, uh, Cameron Scadabo, had 190 yards from scrimmage. He was fun to watch. Real quick, one sentence from each of y'all, starting with Avery. Are you more impressed by ASU or concerned about USC? ASU. I saw the vision. Full eligible <laughs> ASU is coming to a screen near you. <laughs> Greg? Yeah, I was more impressed with ASU, although I will say I'm concerned. If Kenny Dillingham will let Bo Baldwin call plays, how else will he shoot himself in the foot going forward as a uh-huh. head coach? Time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> Reed, more impressed by ASU or more concerned by USC? USC, take the Trojans off of your Pac-12 Tier 1 for now. <laughs> Matthew Burton. Completely agree with Carlos, or with Reed. Sorry, you guys just... Jesus Christ. You keep yelling <laughs> at each other. You? You're the same <laughs> fucking person in my head right now. It's the only discussion I see online. Um, yeah, it, Alex Gritch cannot keep getting away with this. And Kenny Dillingham might actually be a play-calling wizard. Um, goodness gracious, that was night and day. Armanic king. Yeah, uh, Kenny Dillingham. <laughs> Every Arizona State fan was like, no, no, no. Arizona State's going to look much better. Kenny Dillingham's play-calling is going to fix all the issues. I was like, okay, buddy, I'm sure. And what <laughs> happened? Kenny Dillingham's play calling fixed a ton of issues. Uh, I'm really excited to see what Arizona Drew State Pine does never going looked forward. Like, looked that good in South Bend. Oh Ever. yeah, oh yeah. Drew Pine is horrible. I really hope they get Trent Bergay back. Uh, next up, Washington destroyed Cal in Seattle, though not without giving some points and yards. The Huskies win 59-32. The Huskies gave up 502 yards of total offense, though much of that in garbage time. Greg, start with you. One to two sentences. Are you worried about the Washington defense? Not any more than I was before. This is the Washington team I expected to see. Uh, They're really good. The defense might get cooked. Who knows? Matthew Hubertson. I'm still waiting for one fucking team to put their safeties 50 yards off the line of scrimmage. Yes. Not that hard to stop this team. Yeah. Reed. Yeah, Washington's going to light up anyone offensively, but I think we still have to learn what their defense is. They have to round into form, but... Like, this was not an encouraging performance after everything went right to start. Avery. I'm never watching a fucking Cal game again. Fuck this shit. (laughs) I'm done. I'm out on Cal. I'm never talking about them again. It's over. Uh, uh, Oh, boy. This game going 91 points when I said the under. Like, yeah, that was rough. (laughs) Yeah. What the fuck? Uh, Yeah, I don't... uh, I I get... uh, You know what? Uh, Washington beat the fuck out of Cal. It was a dominating performance. But they did give up a little too many explosive plays to Ben Finley. Ben Finley gave up too many explosive plays to him in the passing game in the first half. A little concerned, but we'll see. Last one here. Arizona went to Palo Alto and escaped with a 21-20 victory thanks to a game-winning drive from Noah Fafita after an injury to the quarterback who must not be named. Avery, is Arizona finally fun again? Noah Fafita is the answer. He has been the answer. I hope the other quarterback is done. I hope he loses a leg. Fuck him. (laughs) Noah Fafita should start every game from now on. Matthew Burton. Look, Avery's right, and that's the correct take. But as somebody who took Stanford in this game, what the... This couldn't have happened like the week before. (laughs) This was the only way that Arizona was going to win this game was if he who must not be named got hurt. What the fuck, dude? Like, and, and Stanford's missing kicks now? Like, why? What the what hell? What is going on? What Ooh. is going on? Everything gets weird. Reed, you, uh, is Arizona finally fun again? 
this was sneakily the game that like fucked with my Pac-12 preconceptions the most. Um, That's ha- weird. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have no idea what to think about Arizona now. I thought they might be good. They don't really look that good. Greg, Arizona, finally fun? Jedfish is still their coach. Jedfish is still a fucking moron. Fucking hate uh, Jedfish. No. <laughs> Uh, Arizona's defense pretty good for me. Uh, the quarterback, Fafita, didn't look so bad. And Arizona fans have completely turned on the quarterback who must not be named. Uh, Wait, play the funeral music. Do we have funeral no, music? No, we don't have funeral music. We need music. to discuss Joshua Cardi. No. Heisman, Heisman campaign. Heisman hopeful. Joshua Cardi missed two in this game. One of them was not his fault. The other one I didn't see, but I assume it was his fault because he's a kicker. I want his head on <laughs> a pike. A swim. We need a special Josh teams Cardi. award. We need a special teams award for dudes who just do leg jobs. Like every special it's team award is going to Utah's go to- punter now. Yeah, Josh Cardi man, lost true. it. Bowmeister is our new king. Yeah, that is right. All right, that is our rapid fire takes on each of these games. We hope you enjoyed that. Let's move on to play some Would You Rather. The rules are very, very simple. Reed, we can go through these super quickly. Reed, you're going to give us two options in our jobs to pick which option we'd rather have. Reed, take us away. Yeah, we'll start with one pretty easy at the top of the league. Greg, Washington's receivers or Caleb Williams at QB? Who would you rather have? Always take the quarterback, especially when he's the best player in the country. Next question. Yeah, that's not even <laughs> – that, that's a bad would you rather. That's terrible. Yeah, I think I'd pick Caleb. Anyone taking Washington's receivers? No one. No, we Everyone's. don't have a Washington fan on the podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, Reed. All right, let's talk about two units that have surged in their perception so far this year. Washington State's offense or UCLA's defense? Carlos, who would you rather have? Uh, I'm going to pick. I'm going to be a big old honk. Uh, I'm going to say UCLA's defense. Uh, like they're, I think the pass rush is going to matter a lot in a league where there's a lot of really, really great passing games. Washington State's offense is awesome, but give me UCLA's defense. Uh, anyone any, any, is yeah Matt, I'm, pi- I'm i'm rolling with cam reed cam cam, cam reed, cam reed. <laughs> 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 nice yeah I'm, nice, I'm, I'm not ready i'm not i'm not sold on cam yet i think there's a bottom um so yeah I'm, I'm also on ucla's defense gregory i think i think ucla's defense however ben arbuckle man Ben Arbuckle. I was calling him Ben Arsuckle to rile up the Washington State people. Yeah, you were wrong. People. Can we very wrong. wrong about that? Can we go back to the Washington receivers? Washington receivers or Michael Penix? Oh. Fuck. Give me those Washington receivers. Oh, I've seen, I have I seen bad Michael Penix. I have never seen those wide receivers be bad. I think I'm also <laughs> going the receivers. I don't think Penix works without those receivers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Uh, Reed, next one here for us. Yeah, now we'll get into two horrific performances from Saturday along the lines of scrimmage. Colorado's O-line or Arizona State's D-line? Why, uh, Matt? Why would I have watched either of these games? Why would I know this? <laughs> All right. What's Greg? Oh. <laughs> Let's see. Colorado's O-line has to block for a guy who wants to be hit actively, so give me ASU's D-line. <laughs> Avery? Yeah, I'll go with the D line. Yeah, give me the D line. Maybe we're maybe we're not. Uh, maybe it's just the trauma of watching Shadur Sanders get rocked around like that. That's making me pick the Arizona State D line. But give me that. Next one, Reed. 
Next one, we're moving over to some special occasions. Would you rather have Kenny Dillingham speak at your wedding or Dan Lanning speak at your funeral? <laughs> I I know I was like Kenny Dillingham's biggest hater, but just like every fucking person I ever meet in my life, I start out hating them. You guys know. I love, I love Kenny Dillingham. Kenny Dillingham is my manic king. I think he's fucking insane. I love it. I would love for him to speak at my wedding. Oh. I don't want to be there, but I hope he, I'll leave. <laughs> yeah, he can speak. Exactly. <laughs> you guys know it was delightful. Thank you for that. <laughs> Greg. Um, yeah, I mean, much like Avery, I'm a big Dillingham believer. I love him. I would not want to be there to hear whatever he says at my wedding, uh, and so I'll pick I'll pick Lanning at my funeral because I'll be dead and I'll have to be there. <laughs> Carlos. <laughs> oh, man. I watched that Dan Lanning talking about 9-11. Yeah, why is he smiling so big? <laughs> That's what his face we looks be, like. It's the same thing with Kenny Dillian. It's just how he fucking talks. If we didn't talk about 9-11. Oh, man. Oh, God. I think, I, you know what? At, at my funeral, I'm fucking dead. So what do I care? Give me give me Dan Lanning talking about 100% it's the funeral. 100% it's the funeral. I'll be happy I'm gone, too. <laughs> I love I love Kenny Dillingham. <laughs> hey, can we pull up that Kenny? Do y'all want to watch that Kenny Dillingham? Should we share that yeah, Kenny Dillingham uh, press it. conference? Uh, let, let's play it. Let's play it here. Let me see if I can get at it here. All right, here we go. No, can you can you no. hear that? Every fucking time, ah, Carlos. Fuck we do this every single time. <laughs> every single time. Well, I'm done. We'll tweet I'm done it. With this shit. We'll tweet it. It's fine. Anyway, it's crazy shit. Go check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, Reed, is that it? We have we one last one to move us into the next week's slate. Uh, would you rather take a shot after every USC versus Colorado touchdown at 9 a.m. or watch Arizona State versus Cal dead sober? Carlos? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Give me USC Colorado at 9 a.m. I got a basketball game to get to. <laughs> the Arizona State Cal game. Your lightweight ass is lasting three shots. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Hubertson. Um, yeah, I'm also going with the the shots at 9 a.m. That's a new and exciting experience for me, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Avery? You know, I was planning on doing right. that. Uh, <laughs> should I? Should I? You might die. <laughs> I might, think I might. Might die. But it could be funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Greg? I'm convinced that the the USC one would kill me with alcohol poisoning. However, I've watched Cal Sober already this year, and I swore, I swore I'd never do it again. So <laughs> give me alcohol poisoning. New challenge just dropped. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's all we had. It looks like that's all we got. Thank you, Reed. That was a lot of fun. Uh, you should keep doing that. That's great. Bring that back. Uh, next up, let's finish this all out. Let's do our game predictions. Greg, how about a pick'em party update? All right. So the best picks of the week were Babushka and Matt. They both went four for six. Worst picks were zero for six, which is just as hard as going for six, going six for six, <laughs> as Chad says. That was Pasty Zach and Carlos. <laughs> uh, the most common correct bet was the Utah UCLA under in terms of rankings for us on the week. Matt was four for six. Avery and Reed were three for six. I was two for six. Carlos Carlos was zero for six. Yikes. Total uh, rankings. For the overall season, is anybody, uh, t- 
just because I think it's important because this is like a money-making venture if, if you were into that sort of thing. What is anybody above 50% on their picks so far <laughs> this year? Matt is above 50. Reed is at 50. Avery's at 47. I'm at 42. Carlos is at 34. Overall, though, Guat, 70%. He is cooking. He is cooking. He got to go bet. He's put some money on this. He is putting money on this. Guac started betting baseball this year and all, and figured out all of the rest of the games. Baseball's so <laughs> hard to bet on. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, Matthew Burton, where are we at in our pick standings? Completely irrelevant. Um, it's a little game <laughs> that we do that really doesn't matter at all. Um, God damn it. The fucking Fafita getting to play. I'd be right in there with everyone. <laughs> so upset. Um Carlos and Greg, 33 and 8. Avery, or, and Reed, 33 and 8. Avery's at 32 and 9, and I'm at 29 and 12. What are the um, points? Because I'm fun, and you guys are boring. Um, for the points, Carlos has 40 points for some reason. Um, Avery has 39. Reed and Greg at 33, and I am at 31. Again, God damn it, Fafita. God damn it. Coin flip Carlos is dead. Dead. Carlos and I really pulling ahead here in the points. Points are unimportant. You know, it's about wins, okay? <laughs> I'm, I had, we're ahead of those two. It's about not being uh, boring. <laughs> Do we have lines for any of these games yet? Um, there's a couple that are kind of sort of out. The USC Colorado line is all over the place. Like, I've got 10-point differences in spreads, 12-point differences in spreads. So, you know, if you think USC is going to cover or uh, or, like – Shop around on that because you're gonna find a really nice number. I'm I'm betting both sides of this thing. <laughs> All right, well, let's go. We've got a short slate here. Lovely. It's gonna be a very nice, easy Saturday on Friday night in the graveyard. Utah travels to Oregon State to play the Beavs on FS1. The Beavs are what are they? They are. I've seen Utah two and, and a half. Oregon State two and a half. It's it's a pick 'em. Yeah, this is this is gonna be interesting. Avery, who wins, I guess? It has been clear. It was clear. It was decided when the schedule came out. Oregon State is absolutely winning at home on a Friday night versus an extremely injured Utah team. Greg. I will spit in the face of God, and I will take Utah. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Lock. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I just, you know, I'm feeling good about the year. So, taking Utah. Reed. I will be at the graveyard for this game, and I do not want to root against Oregon State while I'm there, so I'm picking the Beefs. There, Matthew Hubertson. Uh Cam Rising had not been cleared to play, so like while he suited up, he was in street clothes for the game. I can't imagine that he will play this game if he was still not cleared yesterday. That being said, this defense is fucking real. I'm, I'm picking Utah, and I will be a fool about it. Uh, I'm taking Utah as an underdog, specifically. Uh, you boring people are taking the favorites, Oregon State. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm picking Oregon State to win this game. Beavs are just, uh, they're something else at home, and I think, they, I think they'll, they'll bounce back here. Really worried about uh, Oregon State's passing game. Really, really worried about it this game. Gonna be I'm very not worried about it because the vibes. Ah, the vibes. The vibes are there. All right. On Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, this is 10 a.m. local time for Colorado, USC travels to Boulder to play the Buffs on Big Noon Fox. The Trojans are, by my look here, 17 and a half point favorites. Greg, who wins, who covers? USC's going to win. Uh, I could totally see a Colorado cover just because of USC being coached by Alex Grinch defensively, but I'll, I'll take USC to cover too. Reed? 
Yeah, I need a Colorado cover bad, but I think Trojans will win in cover. Matthew Richardson? Greg, the site that we certainly don't use in Utah has the line at 26 for that's, Colorado cover. Ooh, so that, is, ooh, that's, I, that might be tasty for Colorado. It opened at 27 and a half. I went ahead and hit that guy. The back um, door is looking mighty nice. Yeah, <laughs> I'm also on USC, but yeah, this is it'll be like a 17 to 20 point game in either direction by the time this thing ends. I don't know if that's you, uh, Colorado keeping it close or just backdooring it, but yeah, I, I don't see USC covering. Avery? If Travis Hunter is playing, I'd pick Colorado, but unfortunately, Travis Hunter is not playing, so I have to be boring and pick USC. I will also be boring and pick USC, but I think Colorado will cover. I, I think that they USC's line play is, is not what Oregon's is, so give me, give me Colorado to cover, USC to win. 12 p.m. on the Pac-12 Networks, Arizona State travels to Berkeley, to play the Golden Bears. The Bears are... The line's not out yet, so whatever. Reed, who wins? Oh my god, I, I really do not know who to pick in this game. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jesus, I guess I'm gonna... I guess... I don't know the line, but I guess I'm gonna take Cal. I think Cal will probably win. I think... I think Cal will probably win. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Matthew Richardson... <laughs> I don't know the line either. I have to imagine Cal will be favored. I just I just don't think that Arizona State's going to be able to get after the quarterback, and so I will pick Cal as well. Avery? I'm picking ASU. Mm. I will not doubt again. Mm. Fucking Cal. I love how I said I'm not watching Cal again. I'll be watching this fucking game. Why am I like this? Come play basketball with us. No. Great. All right. I have to be there. <laughs> <laughs> you do this to yourself. Greg. Uh, Cal is coached by Justin Wilcox. ASU is mm. coached by Kenny Dillingham, who has taken his rightful place as play caller. I'll take ASU. Yeah. Yeah, give me SU. Cameron Scadaboo. Our own little Unobo. Is that he's gonna, you, he's gonna is run that all how over you pronounce it? Scadaboo, Scadaboo, yeah. Scadaboo. That's, that's Everyone's Scadaboo. pronouncing it differently. Yeah, they, they pronounced no, it no. Scadaboo on the broadcast, so I'm You assuming. pronounced it Scadaboo earlier, so I've Did been I? confused. Yeah, it's, it's Cameron Scadaboo, and he has okay. said that, and I think all the other broadcasts mm, so scary. Okay. So scary. Okay. It's actually Scadaboo. Okay. <laughs> Scadaboo! <laughs> Thanks for running uh, the Jack Good job. At 3.30 p.m. on the Pac-12 Networks, Oregon is traveling to Palo Alto to play Stanford. The Ducks are. Do we have a line for this game? Nope. I really, this is the, nope, no I'll line. I'll set it 33 and a half. Oh, okay, uh, Matt, are you are you uh, who are you picking to win? Who are you picking to cover? Stanford disease, baby. Let's fucking get it. <laughs> are you picking? Are you picking Stanford to win? Fuck yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I would lose my mind, Avery. I have to pick Stanford. I have to pick Stanford too. This is I don't. Disgusting. I don't think this is the game Stanford gets someone. But like on the off chance they do, I have to be on That's that right. side of this That's game. Right. Like, I can't be fucking looking like a child I, picking Oregon I need over there. These points so bad. I. I. Reed, how scared are you? Let me, give me a number, one to ten. Not scared. I'm, I'm not answering that question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap. Greg, who wins? Who covers this imaginary 33 point spread? Oregon wins, and spreads aren't real. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, Oregon covers, I guess. I don't know. I think Stanford's bad still. Reed, are you afraid of Stanford disease and who wins and who covers? I'm picking Oregon. 
Let's move on. Let's go. <laughs> I get a, wait, wait, wait. Do I get to watch this game with Reed? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be great. Oh, Holy shit. <laughs> what, a, what a treat. Okay, I had not what considered that part. I might fly out. I might make this trip Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, give me Oregon to win and cover. I'm sorry. I'm ready to say it. Stanford disease is fucking eradicated. We got rid of it. We have, we've it. all done our due diligence. We've all vaccinated. We're good. We're fine. <laughs> Uh, finally, 7 you p.m. You scored seven another... points last week. What do you mean you're fine? <laughs> <laughs> another cursed Washington game on the Pac-12 networks. The Huskies traveled to Tucson to play Arizona. Uh, I don't know if we have a line for this game. I'm going to assume we, do, we not. do not. We do not have a line for this game. Matt, set it for us. No. My... <laughs> Arizona minus three? I don't... <laughs> Oh my God, Washington! Uh, good luck out there, Grapes. Who wins? I fucking hate this game. I fucking hate this game. I keep doubting UW, and they keep fucking shoving it in my face. But they're so shit in Arizona, and their defense is bad. And Noah Fafita might be starting. Like I wish, I wish we knew who was going to be playing quarterback. I'm going to pick Arizona. <laughs> oh, my God. Here we this go. Is the, this Here is the we bad go. vibes game of the week. Oh, my goodness. I need to stop fucking choosing yeah, I missed, these games I missed like ASU Calisicos. My bad. Whatever. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Greg? Uh, yeah, give me give me UW. Uh, this is Jed Fish, noted shit coach, versus Kalen DeBoer, yeah. good coach. It's over. Yeah. UW wins. Simple man. Simple man. Read. I'm just going to be boring. I'm going to take Washington. It's my thing. You know, I, I I mean, I just don't have much hope that they're going to blow this. Matthew Hubertson? <laughs> God don't damn do it. I want to do it. Don't do it. Um, do, you, do you not remember when Jed Fish blew the UW game? to Jimmy Lake's Washington, I remember. And I will always remember. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that Arizona since. almost won that fucking game? <laughs> I just, he almost yes, blew it. Owen... Well, I'm not, not almost blew it. He did blow the game because he did a shit job coaching. He's bad. He's he's bad at this, and he should quit. Arizona's going to score. My concern yeah. is very much on that defensive side, but does the heat affect the flight of the ball when thrown more than 17 yards? Because <laughs> that's all Penix is going to do. I'll pick. God damn it! I already picked Stanford. Do I just say fuck it? Yeah, fuck it. No, Arizona. Don't, don't do it. No, don't do it. <sighs> oh man, I'm no. You know what? Ah, uh, fuck. Okay, here's the thing. Washington has not played a defense with a pulse. I Arizona, don't think Arizona has a defense with Arizona, a pulse. Arizona's defense might have a pulse. No, Arizona's four and zero in unders, baby. Four and zero in unders. They might have a pulse, and I don't like Washington in an ugly game. <sighs> Give me Arizona. <laughs> God. Oh my God. I got. I but got what a little right? ahead. But what if we're I right? I got a little ahead with the points, and now I'm playing fast and loose over here. What the fuck is this? But what if we're what right? Is wrong. <laughs> See, I, here's the thing: is I've gone, I've gone boring. All Greg might win this week because he went with all the boring picks as he normally does. Reed, Reed you want to be an adult? And and pick Arizona. Slow and steady <laughs> wins the race. I'll let you change. Reed, fucking do it. I really want to. <laughs> no, you should okay, do you it. So I'm the Reed. only one. 
Who picks Washington? Fuck that would it. be really Washington funny. Hasn't played, Washington hasn't played a quarterback with a pulse either. Fafita gang, we got this in the desert. Let's go. Yes. Arizona. <laughs> go dogs, Washington fans. So I'm your good. only believer. Well, Washington fans aren't going to listen to our fucking podcast oh, no. anymore. Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's our picks. That is our show. Another week in the books. Let's get out of here. We're back on YouTube next Sunday at 9 a.m. Uh, when we go live, you'll know if you subscribe. Uh, and of course, we'll drop this into your podcast podcast feeds every Monday at 5 a.m. Pacific. But for now, that's Matt. That's Greg. That is Reed. That is Grapes. I am Carlos. Thank you for joining us live. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And thank you to Homefields for sponsoring this podcast. We will see you next week. And remember, there are no trick stops here. Not even one. Still and thick with smoke So thick it makes you choke The crowd falls in The coffee's kicking And my patience are wearing thin Said I'm lonelier Than a single sax On a quiet city street Things aren't always green